Hi diddly ho preparinos, this is Nat the Preparedness Guy on Preparedness Works, the second best preparedness podcast in the world. Preparedness Works is part of the Readiness Lab, the place for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. I want to thank L3 Harris for their longtime support of the Readiness Lab. L3 Harris has provided technology and communication solutions to emergency responders all over the world. How do you know what to prepare for? Do you pick the most likely disaster or the most severe disaster? Zombies? All of the above? Shows like Doomsday Preppers might make you believe that the way to prepare is to just pick one catastrophic doomsday event that you think is most likely to happen. Even the CDC did a public service announcement uh, 10 or so years ago that said something like, if you're prepared for a zombie apocalypse, you're prepared for anything. Well, then a power outage happens and it turns out you aren't prepared for everything. When some disaster or crazy event is happening somewhere in the world, especially when the news is giving it a lot of airtime, I often get asked the question, what should I be doing differently to prepare? My answer is pretty much always to do absolutely nothing different. That is, if you are already preparing based on your needs. In emergency management, there's an emergency management cycle. There are a few variations of it, but the most common one includes preparedness, response, recovery, and mitigation. Some people include prevention in there, so there are five things. Uh, some people swap out prevention for mitigation and all sorts of different ways to do it. Some people consider prevention part of mitigation or that mitigation is part of preparedness. Some people say that mitigation is part of preparedness and recovery, or that it can happen during preparedness, recovery, and response. Whew. Well, mitigation is any action to lessen the impact of the hazard, so I think it can happen at any stage. So regardless of all of that, if you boil the cycle down, it really comes down to what you do before, during, and after an emergency or disaster. Response is hazard-based because you deal with what you have, although there are some common principles you can apply to any response to any hazard. So planning and training for response to specific hazards is part of preparedness, but overall, preparedness should not be focused on the hazards. Preparedness should be based on your needs. So instead of looking at a doomsday scenario and trying to imagine it in your mind and come up with everything you'll need, you instead look at your needs and start preparing for those and how a hazard might impact them. Because it doesn't matter as much what the disruption is, it's how you're impacted by it. Part of the reason to focus on the need over the hazard is that if you focus on one hazard or scenario and it never happens, was it even worth doing? Now, I'll argue that preparedness done well will always be worth doing because it enriches your life whether or not there is an emergency. Preparedness not done well can waste your time, waste your money, and it might add stress and anxiety to your life rather than alleviate it, which preparedness done well will do. Now, what is more important than the hazard is how it impacts you, specifically how it impacts your needs or the things that keep you alive and well. Is a tornado a disaster? No, it's not. A tornado can happen and have no impact. 
and would therefore not be a disaster, right? So it's not always a disaster. What it is, is a natural hazard. A tornado is a natural hazard. In an empty meadow, it causes no real damage. But that same tornado in a neighborhood causes a disaster because of its impact. So look at your needs. Things like food, water, shelter, health, financial security, power and electricity, cooking, and a lot more. Figure out which needs are most vulnerable and prioritize those. And for each of your needs, create four different layers. Most people recognize three layers when it comes to preparedness or at least food storage. They'll talk about short-term, mid-term, and long-term. So those are three of your layers, but you should also create a separate immediate needs layer. So if you're looking at food, you can have ready-to-eat emergency food or snacks in your immediate needs layer. These items will go into your emergency kit and will be used during an emergency when you may have other issues to deal with than making a home-cooked meal. You know, things like not dying. Your short-term needs can be met by the foods that you normally eat. And then as you go into mid or long-term, you find longer-lasting and more shelf-stable options of the same foods or ingredients, or you find a way to acquire more of that item. So in the short-term, you may have fresh produce, as an example, in your refrigerator. And for the mid and long-term, you might have frozen, canned, dehydrated, or freeze-dried fruits and vegetables. The same or similar foods preserved differently. You can also grow your own produce or figure out a way to get some produce from somebody who's growing them and you provide them money or something else of value. So even though you don't store all the food, you may have the skills or means to grow your own or acquire your own. For most of your needs, you can break it down in those, um, in those la- four layers. You prioritize your most vulnerable needs while making sure that you are also meeting the immediate needs for each of the needs listed. So if you look at all of your needs, look at the immediate needs so that you've got your emergency kit, three days worth of everything to meet all your needs, and then prioritize the most vulnerable. Food and water are always really easy targets to hit, and so some of the most vulnerable needs we have especially because without them, you don't survive. So if you prioritize your most vulnerable needs, you make sure that you have your immediate immediate needs layers met. That's how you prepare. So that takes us back to the whole, what should I do differently question? When the news is trying to scare us about something. And the answer is to do nothing different. When you get scared or think that something warrants a reaction and start acting on a perceived threat, you are no longer in the preparedness phase. Remember that cycle. You have transitioned from preparedness to the response phase. And it's usually not where you should be unless there is, a, there is actually a direct impact on you. The news loves to make us scared. Social media drives fear-based messages. It's what gets... Ratings on the mainstream media, it's what gets likes and shares on social media. And as viewers or consumers, we're naturally drawn to negative or fearful messaging. Our brain 
wants to protect us from that sort of thing. So it's looking out for it all the time. Now that's great when something dangerous is occurring right in front of you. But when we have those messages projected from the other side of the world uh, or around the country directly into our brains through our phones, then we have to consciously remind ourselves that there is not a threat directly in front of us or impacting us, even though it feels like it. So if we look at some of the examples from the last few years, armed conflict all around the world, the way the media reports it or people talk about it on social media, every skirmish or border dispute is the start of World War III. And you need to get ready to go red dawn and head for the hills. There was also that toilet paper shortage. The first thing, the media kept trying to blame preppers. I've got some screenshots and it's ridiculous. They're trying to push the false narrative of equating preparedness with hoarding. But think about it this way. Who is more likely to have been buying more toilet paper in that moment? The people who already have some toilet paper stored or the people who don't, but are told by the media and Facebook that the shelves of toilet paper are soon going to be empty. Now, to be honest, most people, preppers or not, probably felt like they needed to get more toilet paper. So when you are presented with new information or a new threat, how should you prepare differently? That's right, you shouldn't. Just focus on your basic needs. So if there is, in fact, a toilet paper shortage, and you decide you need to do something about it, when you're doing something and you're taking action, you're no longer in preparedness mode because you're responding to a threat or a hazard. You are in response mode. And it's important to know it because preparedness actions during response is not preparedness, it's just bad response. A similar thing happened on the East Coast a couple of years ago when some hackers did a ransomware attack on a fuel pipeline, shutting it down. Now here's where the real problem happens. The fear-mongering online and by the media just makes a problem where there isn't one. Let's just make it clear that the media doesn't have the full story. I don't believe they care about the full story. They just want people watching. I don't know the last time I heard a retraction from the news media, but they report false information pretty much every day. Okay, this isn't meant to be a condemnation of the media. <clears throat> Their own actions do that thoroughly enough. However, this is meant to convey the idea that we seldom have any clue what is really happening in the world. The official sources don't always know, or they're not telling us. The news doesn't know. They're getting information as it's being fed to them. They're spinning it in a way that shows their view of it. We don't know what is really happening in our communities, across the country, or around the world. When we learn about something other than from the source itself, we're hearing a version of the story that almost always benefits the person telling it. The benefit could be likes, followers, money, influence, power, ratings, or whatever else. It could be votes. If we accept that the story we're hearing is biased, if we just kind of use that as a baseline, then the next step is to hopefully keep ourselves from reacting to information that we can assume is incorrect or incomplete. In the case of the fuel shortage, it was completely manufactured. Well, yes, the pipeline shut down because they were dealing with the ransomware in their systems, but there was already enough fuel on the East Coast in the fuel farms to last several weeks, if not a couple months. So even if the pipeline stayed shut down more than the couple days that it was shut down and nothing else was done to mitigate the outage, 
things could have been maintained for up to two months of regular usage before a real problem happens. But all the gas stations were still out of fuel. Why is that? Well, because when people heard about the shortage, they thought they wanted to be prepared. They decided to respond to it and they did preparedness actions rather than response actions. So they went out to get as much fuel as they could. The demand for fuel went up significantly, but the supply stayed the same. The trucks were still making their regular routes, regular shipments. So making sure you have extra fuel is a preparedness action that you can do when there is plenty of fuel already and your extra fuel purchases won't negatively impact anything else. When it's response time and it comes to shortages, conservation is the name of the game. Conserve the fuel that you have instead of trying to acquire as much fuel as you can. Work from home, carpool, uh, consolidate trips. That's how you start to conserve fuel. If you have your needs met already, then the impact of a hazard is less for you and fewer things meet the threshold of becoming an emergency. But by responding poorly, you are only adding to the situation instead of solving it. Disruptions occur all the time. You may need to go into response mode sometimes. That's perfectly reasonable. But do it when things are impacting you. Try to remember that we never hear the full story and that without good intelligence, the mission is a failure from the beginning. Don't act on bad, bad intel. Don't get ambushed. Don't fall into a trap. Don't react to the negative things you hear about world affairs. They may affect you someday, but assess it. See if it is going to affect you. See if it has an impact on you and your needs. As long as you don't need to immediately respond for your own safety, then stay in preparedness mode and focus on your needs, not on your fears. And remember, preparedness works. <laughs>